Hello and welcome to Manga Splaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by me, Deba Oki, along with David Brothers, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along with our show notes and reading lists at mangasplaining.com and at mangasplainingextra.com. Today is my turn. It's it's an apology pick. <laughs> in, in that, when I picked my love mix-up, David and Christopher got very excited because they thought it was this book. <laughs> and I, I felt really me. bad afterwards because <laughs> like, they got very excited for the wrong reason. So my love story is I can understand the mix-up because it is by the same artist and it has the same structure. It's like my something, something, a double exclamation point. <laughs> but it is two very different stories, two stories that are, both of them are very fun stories. They're hilarious in their own way and they make fun of certain shoujo manga tropes, but they mm. don't do it in a way that leaves you out if you've never read shoujo manga before. It's just delight. They're just delightful stories. This particular one, My Love Story, by Kazune Kawahara Anaruko, is about a guy named Takeo Goda. He is a big, burly high school student who is a judo. He's kind of like a judo athlete. And his best friend, uh, Sunakawa, Makoto Sunakawa, is a handsome boy. They're best friends since childhood. And Goda is kind of used to the fact that he's always going to be second fiddle. He's always going to be the third wheel that all the girls are going to love Suna. But in this story, his moment arrives when a very cute girl falls in love with him and he can't believe his luck. Preparing for this episode, I reread it again and I just couldn't stop laughing. There were so many moments <laughs> where it's like, it was like discovering it all over again. So I guess let's, let's just dive right into it. I'm going to start with world famous shoujo manga, not quite fan, David Brothers. <laughs> but this was something you actually enjoyed, and you you told me like, oh, this is the one you I showed you manga you actually like. So yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I I should have looked up when I first started reading this, but I think I picked it up pretty soon after it first came out, and that was sort of maybe my maybe my like proper entry into shoujo, like as an adult who will try things with an open mind, and I loved it. I felt completely called out in several different ways. I thought the jokes were really funny. <laughs> the like the high concept of, you know, the big burly guy not realizing that like the cute girl is into him, I thought was really good too. And yeah, I, I don't think I read the entire series, but I know I, I read the first few volumes. I watched the anime and it's just so much more wholesome than literally everything else that I read. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> 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 Because what I love about this is that it's almost, you know, a lot of romance stories, like the conflict is, will they or won't they? Or like, how are they going to get together? How can they manage their relationship? With this one, they're basically together by chapter two or three. And then the conflict is done by like chapter five. And then it's like them against the world or them against like their friends or preconceptions. Yeah. So it was really nice kind of to read a book that was mostly, it took some things for granted that I wouldn't normally expect to be taken for granted, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I I, uh, I had a good time with it, though. I don't buy that. Goda. There's a note in the very beginning from the writer where she's like, "I want a guy who looks like the kind of guy that guys like," and that's how <laughs> the artist came up with designing Takeo Goda. And I don't know if I buy that, but he's a good parody of that kind of guy. So yeah, I'm <laughs> he's kind of like a, a Google thirteen, but if he was a soft softy. It's almost like if... And 265 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was Dito Kuwabara from Yu Yu Hakusho. He's like that kind of character, more than like the cool manly type. But he's yeah. drawn like a cool manly type. So there's like a fun disconnect in there. I guess I'm kind of curious too. Like, So Chip, what did you think of this one? I thought it was really sweet. Like David said, like the fact that the that initial conflict was done with after the first couple chapters was a relief. Because when I first started reading it and I realized it was going to be like... Oh, this guy doesn't realize that she likes him. And oh, oh, constant, like there were so many kind of misunderstandings in the first couple of chapters. And I'm just like, my eyes started to roll a little bit. I'm just like, okay, this is not, this is not for me. Like, <laughs> I find those stories work better probably for a younger audience than an older audience because the older audience is just like, you know it. Like, just talk about it, figure this out. <laughs> kiss the girl. Just kiss the girl. Just kiss the girl. Come on. <laughs> I don't know why. Became Italian for a second. <laughs> Just kiss the girl. <laughs> so, like when 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 the feelings were revealed and they actually just started dating, I was like, 
I was surprised. I was just like, oh, okay, wow. This, that's amazing. This is actually like not going to be what I thought, which is them constantly being ships in the night, not quite meeting, matching, hooking up or whatever, or there's going to be a love triangle. or. And I was, I was prepared for that, so I was delightfully surprised when it wasn't that. And, and yeah, I, I, found, I found most of it just like super sweet, and every once in a while there'd be like a really funny drawing or a really... It was mostly reactions. Most of the humor in this is reaction-based, oh, like yeah. especially on Takeo's part, or like, even though it's like a weirdly heartbreaking, the first scene with Suna's sister, when it's she finds out funny. that he's dating... <laughs> <laughs> find out he's dating someone she's on like her knees it's like this tears it's such a well-drawn pose i couldn't help but laugh a lot at it even though it's like i guess heartbreaking on one level yeah yeah so i i mean i found i found it really sweet and and the revelation too that i really liked which is also like sweet everything's just sweet in this but suna when he revealed that like oh no yeah of course i didn't date any of those girls like if they wouldn't want to date you and they would talk trash about you behind your back like why would i ever date them i was like that revelation is just like oh wow okay like you're not just like a weird cold guy who's just you know kind of the distant one in the relationship yeah that was that was super sweet and like yeah all all the stuff later on with like how he thinks she's pure and like their misunderstanding on that level and then she just really wants to like go hard and hold hands (laughs) (laughs) it's so it's it's really it's super cute super cute i quite liked it this is the kind of book that i would absolutely recommend to like all of my like kind of like nieces and nephews and like it feels like a nice wholesome book to suggest to like kids that are just like kind of figuring out relationships and Mm -hmm. uh, crushes and love and stuff like that and friendship yeah very nice I guess it's your turn, Chris. I'd love to hear what you think of this book. This is a reread for me. I actually, like David, read the first, I think, four or five volumes. My app said I only read the first three, but I think I kept reading it when I was in the biz offices and there was just copies of everything lying around for you to read. So I had like four or five, maybe six volumes. And I think that that, I think it's awesome. I think it's a great manga and I really like the art and it gets really different as the series goes on. But the thing, hearing you guys talk about it, yeah, we're not the target demo. Like we're all in our mirrors, uh, and we are <laughs> not like teen shoujo girl, you know, reading populace. But it's so strong and so fun that it kind of just propels you through it. And it's quick. It's a quick, 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 quick read. But it propels you through it. So like, just the like inertia of that like really solid first volume gets you to volume four or five before you're like, yeah, this isn't really for me. But man, what a nice time I have spending time with Goda. <laughs> Yeah. spending time with everybody and it's been a couple of years it's been like four years i guess since i read the, this volume four or five years and i just caught a lot more this time through and in this actually and i liked it so much i kept reading I read the second and third volume too just for for giggles because i was just like not uh, not not under the gun for time which was really hmm. yeah i kept catching more and more stuff and there's some gay, like some actual gay stuff in this that I would love to talk about. Oh, there's yeah. some stuff about like yeah. self perception that I would like to talk about as well. Mm. But I don't, you know, we're still in the introduction phase of the podcast, so I'll skip it for now. But I will say, yeah, it was, it's the kind of shoujo manga I think I could recommend to literally anybody, whether they mm. say they like shoujo manga or not. And I think that that's a rare, a really rare treat. I know Kim, who you guys know, uh, TKF Kim, well, oh. Kim of a million other things, Love of Hill Kim. And I really bonded over this series because the expressions that Gota makes are just, just like, so just like, they kill me every time he has like a super solid or super sour or super serious reaction face to something that's happening. It is so funny. It is so good. All the, all the level of Hill girls loved this manga and you can totally see why. So yeah, absolutely a banger. So I'm so glad you picked it, and it, I'm glad it held up too. It's mm. been five years, five yeah, real difficult crazy. years. It's scary, <laughs> it's <true>. yeah, right. <laughs> What's really fresh about it is that the story's told from a guy's point of view, and it's told from Goda's point of view largely, right? Where he's like, mm. he's so used to, oh, he's so used to knowing that he's not the the hands, he's not the prince, right? He's mm-hmm. so, and he's so used to being compared to his best friend, who neighbor, who is all the girls go gaga over. So he's He's 
all of the things that he does, he's still good-hearted. He's still strong. All the men, all the his classmates in his middle school judo team are crying because he's graduating. And like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, they all love him. And his his mom is a former wrestling champ, so there's those genes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's a, I guess what's it's so funny because normally in shoujo manga, it would be. The homely girl or the, you know, the ugly duckling and has the girl best friend who's pretty. And then, you know, then she gets a makeover and whatever. And then she feels pretty again. But this time it's like, go to gets no makeover. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. just is who he is. And you just kind of fall in love with him. Like, like and who he is and he, how kind he is. But it's like Yamato, the wrinkle of the girl, automatically falls in love with him. And he can't believe it. And then later on, you think, oh, well, maybe it's just her thing. But then soon as older sister reveals, I've always had a crush on him. And they're like, whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, doesn't he have sexy hands? And like all this stuff. So but she's still making fun of him at the same time. She's like, yeah. does he still have that weird haircut? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he said like one nice thing to her once. And it's just like, she's on him. That's it. She's yeah. love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I want to ask, like, from a guy's point of view, did this, did how this friendship played out and how he acted and to the, you know, these situations he's in, did that resonate for you? Yeah, but it defied expectations again. And I think that was really cool. So the thing, one of the things I caught on this read through that I didn't is that his name's Goda. His name is Takeo Goda. And Goda was the name of the bully character in Doraemon. Oh, he's right. the, like, right. with the orange shirt, with the sort of, he's like the, I don't know reverse charlie brown he's got the orange shirt with like the black line on it and with the black squiggly line and he's like he's like the bully like neighborhood like puffs up big like whatever character and this actually it does invert shoujo tropes it inverts a lot of tropes in storytelling where the big guy is always the bad guy the bully is always fat or big or whatever and they made the big guy not only like a truly nice decent good person but the hero of the story. And that just, mm-hmm. like, speaking of someone who is uh, carrying a few extra pounds, never happens. Except for Massive, the gay and manga anthology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for for them to turn around and be like, yeah, no, this big, imposing, scary dude who's like like 265 pounds and 6'6", he's actually the nice guy in this. And he's actually truly awesome all the way through. And they even named him after a bully character. It's like there was like, the, I think the writer was making, a, obviously, a deliberate connection was trying to say something there and i thought that that was really that was really great and then their friendship i thought was really good and i remember on the first read through i was like oh it's gonna come out at some point that like oh you know it turns out what's his name is actually in love with with with, with takeo sunawada is actually in love with Takeo, and it's like maybe now reading it it's not it's like maybe he has feelings maybe like sunawada is bi or demisexual or asexual even but has like really strong feelings for takeo but it's not that's not what the relationship is necessarily about, even though the first volume ends with them kissing, which I think is amazing. <laughs> well, they and they I, haven't yet. That's the thing. That's like Oh no, sorry, like that last page where there's the scream. Scream yeah. heavily implied. I actually went to, that's why I went to the second volume, because I'm like, what? And it's like, yeah, they did end up practice practicing kissing through saran wrap. They just didn't show it on panel. I know, it felt it felt like a cliffhanger, like like no we don't get to see it sadly we do get uh, to eventually you get to i I looked it up you eventually do get to see a kiss but it's also pretty underwhelming yeah so that's i I actually i actually really liked that the whole story with the blue ogre and the red ogre was like heart-rending but it's nice to have a friend it's nice that these characters are friends and even if there was a romantic relationship i don't think it would ruin it but i don't think and i'm the guy that wants everything to be gay uh, or queer at the very least and i don't think story needs it and i think i wanted it a lot the first time but i didn't do it maybe that's what my love mix-up was all about everyone was like no takeo and sunawada should have gotten together (laughs) so the artist went and worked on another series where the two boys are like all right people seem to be into this let's give it a shot and see what happens even though (laughs) neither of us is fully interested so yeah that one i actually went and read second volume after we recorded the podcast i think i mentioned it in the the show notes and i'm going to read the third as well it's actually bought it i just haven't gotten to it yet so yeah, I like that friendship. What did you guys think? Did it did it ring true? It didn't ring true necessarily, but it's a type of friendship I like seeing in fiction. Yeah, okay. Like I've yeah. never had this kind of friendship in real life, and I'm sure you know it exists somewhere. 
and I've had, you know, like close male friendships are sometimes on a different level, you know, where yeah. you're kind of both propping each other up and you do a bunch of stuff for each other that you never mentioned to the other person. It's just like how that goes. So that was partly why I was drawn into this was that there's such different types that I could relate to in different ways. Like I'm very oblivious as well when it comes to romance and I'm also incredibly handsome like Suna. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's a lot yeah. going on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but mostly I like how matter of fact Suna is about how much he supports Takeo. Like when mm. we mentioned that he would never date someone who insulted his friend. I'm like, that is such like a baller position to have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I like it. I thought it was really, it was sweet in the same way the rest of the book was sweet and like a good fantasy, I think. Yeah. A fantasy extrapolated from real life, maybe. But Chip, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I my biggest friendship in high school was with a hunk. Mm. Oh, like wow. he was He was like, he was a great football player. He was the handsomest guy. And like, it was one of those weird relationships where like I met him through a mutual friend who liked comics. Mm-hmm. And but my, this other guy didn't like comics, and then my friend who liked comics moved away, and we were just kind of stuck together. Yeah, <laughs> like you're the football player, and I'm the comic nerd, but we really got along, and like, and yeah, there was like that kind of thing where like he kind of looked out for me, and I was very oblivious as well in high school because I was like just I was the shortest kid in my class, and I don't think any of his friends understood why we hung out, and my friends didn't understand why we hung out, and there was that kind of like you know protective quality in those relationships like he definitely protected me from like bullies and stuff and i think he would probably would have done the same thing in here if like he found out a girl was trash talking me mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's those are those are sweet relationships and yeah so i, I did relate to this on that level even though i wasn't i'm not a, a giant hunk um <laughs> i was a tiny uh boy who uh <laughs> it was so, a little sad <laughs> I think that Takeo and Suna both kind of defuse a certain type of guy for their audience as well. Uh, The aloof hot guy is always a danger. I shouldn't say always. I haven't read enough shoujo to say always, but in the shoujo that I've read. Well, in Mars, he cut the brakes on a a molester's car. So maybe they are all bad boys. (laughs) Yeah, they're bad boys. And like Takeo is, you know, like Christopher was saying, the big bully character. And both of these are like, no, like sometimes these guys have good hearts. Like you can't really judge a book by its cover. But it takes it to such an extreme. Like when he catches the falling eye beam, and then it becomes, <laughs> oh, that's like a, a group project for some reason. Oh yeah, that is nothing compared to what happens in volume two, where he saves people from a burning building. Mm, I'm not even lying. <laughs> Was that her friends? Yeah, yeah. Who? Had yeah, t- I love that had- story. Her friends had trash talked him earlier, and he was like, "Oh my god, Suna's right. Girls really do talk about me like this. This is awful." But then he still goes into rushes into a burning building to save them and saves them and you're just like he's impervious to fire because of the power of love like it's so over the top and great and it never pretends to be anything else which yeah. is good it's like we're going to learn a lesson here today and also we're going to have to make Takeo impervious to fire and it's so great <laughs> it's so much fun he's like a superhero right yeah it yeah. totally yeah. works <laughs> yeah great but deb what did you think like you said this was a reread yeah i guess what i started to appreciate this on I guess on a storytelling and characterization level, mm-hmm. how Kazune Kawahara develops a character and then like reinforces it and then reveals layers about them. Like Suna, mm-hmm. we obviously could have just been a hot guy who was just, a, you know, just cynical, right? But then when it first starts out, this is, why are we friends? We're so different. And then as you re- finish volume one, you go, oh yeah, we are good friends. And there's mm-hmm. a reason why we're good friends. And then the sister comes along and then the sister inserts this layer of yeah other women think he's hot too <laughs> you know thinks gold is hot too yeah and then we discover like rinko is not just like cute and sweet and shy she's like saying oh i'm so i'm so i feel like he he thinks i'm a, a goddess and a saint and, a, and an angel when actually i want to do i want to hold his hand <laughs> yeah, she's filthy she's absolutely <laughs> filthy fallen woman and she did all these things. She says, oh, actually, you know, I didn't just ask the police station for your address. I actually recognize your uniform and I asked around to find you. And I, yes, I actually left my phone at your house on purpose because I wanted to see you again. Such a smooth move. It was yeah, really cute, you know? So it's like, oh, she's actually, she has more desires. or like She really thinks he's, he's hot and she's trying her best to give him 
so many hints. I like yeah. you. I like you. I like you. And then he's because he's so used to not being the lead character in any romance that he's just his default perception is like, oh yeah, here we go again. All the girls will love my hot friend. And but you know what? He's my friend, so I'm going to support this. You know, he finally has something nice to say about a girl, so I'm going to support this. So he's so used to this default, he can't see what's happening. So it's cute, but also like Chip was saying, I was so relieved that. They didn't stretch it out over many volumes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would have been, especially that they, so that first chapter is 100 pages and they really like got a really good arc in that first 100 pages where it's just, oh, like the, the story's at a good point when it ends and it's at an even better point when the first volume ends and the second volume ends. And then it really is just like, like David was saying, like now it's like, okay, we've got this relationship and it's kind of us against the world a little bit. Because we're we're mismatched in people's eyes, super cute girl, giant hulking gorilla guy that's like like twice her her height, and I think that that's such a weird, wonderful look at shoujo where it's not just will they won't they for infinite volumes, but like okay they did and now they have to learn how to be a couple and how they have to learn how to be young people who are in love. I kind of love it. Kind of love yeah. it. Yeah, it's like a very wholesome Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> I'm actually kind of stunned that they kept it going for 13 volumes because I actually would have been almost yeah. satisfied with one or two volumes. Yeah, same. yeah. Like those kids are going to be all right by the end of volume one. I feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the when he crawls out from under the bed after she confesses love by accident directly to him, I thought that was one of the funniest things of the book. Mm. Oh God, yeah. That yeah, was just the that setup was awesome. for it. The drawing of him like looming under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> But it reminded me of something that Chip said on the My Love Mix-Up episode. I'm pretty sure it was My Love Mix-Up, where he said he was not surprised to find that the book had a writer and an artist because of how some of the jokes were playing out. And I think this one being so reaction-based is a very writerly thing mm. because there's not a lot of, like, setup for physical comedy or, like, pretty much just, like, joke parts, I would say, that yeah. hit. And not in the bad way. Like, this isn't really a complaint. It's just sort of, you can tell when the artist like really hits a nice stride with the humor, but it's always kind of like the same kind of reaction humor. Like, Oh, I can't believe this. Oh my gosh. And then someone pulls a face, <laughs> but it always yeah, works. Yeah. yeah. It does always yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he's saying you really are like the blue ogre. <laughs> I love that page turn from when like they catch the groper and at mm. the police station and then he punches in and then the next page is, you know, go to at home in his pajamas. Cause he got suspended. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so <laughs> Pops face behind him. Well, the thing that Chip said about a book that has our something something in the title was our dining table, and he was oh. like, when he when you were talking about like the gay romance one about they how they cooked, you know, the one cooked for the other because they mm -hmm. couldn't express their feelings mm -hmm. for two hundred pages, and then they did, and it was great. Yeah, that will they won't they is such a huge part of like this whole genre within manga. And 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 not even not only that, but like this whole genre, like of so many romantic things. I mean, we're all old. We all remember moonlighting, right? I was literally just about to say moonlighting. Somebody mentioned <laughs> yeah. that recently about like how to avoid the pitfall of that because moonlighting went downhill once they got together. We're together, yeah. yeah. And they, but they, but they finally did it, and it was like the episode where it was like, oh, I guess they will, uh, and everyone watched it. Everybody watched it. Yeah, the yeah. whole the whole of America. Mm. Maybe uh, who was yeah because it was a it was a crazy hour it was like full penetration yeah yeah it was <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> wait I don't remember that a lot of food <laughs> <laughs> filled in some blanks mm. but yeah I think that anyone who's like tried shoujo and I mean we've all heard about how unfulfilling Boys Over Flowers is from Deb multiple times like anyone who's found shoujo unfulfilling because it's that I think that this is such a like fresh take on formula and again as we pointed out playing against formula as well but the big takeaway on this reread was and this is maybe because of stuff that like i have been going through or have gone through it's like the idea that you aren't lovable mm. is like so front and center in that first 100 pages and maybe through the first like two books or so but like the idea that like takeo never even considers that she could like him or she would even you know thank him for what he did because he's constantly doing things for other people 
and if Sunawada's, you know, kicking around, he's the one who gets thanked. And that keeps that's a that's a running gag, a, a trope in the series. And I love that they didn't keep that going. Mm-hmm. That they were like, no, at the end of this first volume, or at the end of this first chapter, even, you deserve love. That's huge. That's huge for storytelling, let alone for shoujo manga. But it's definitely huge for shoujo manga, where it's like that that mystique has to keep going. You know what I mean? Even Mars, which is kind of our go-to of like shoujo manga we all liked, kind of unreservedly, there's still a like, she's totally in, into him, but you kind of get he's really cool and aloof, and you're never quite sure if you're like, <laughs> with her. Pardon my French. David, please sparkle that since <laughs> this is a shoujo episode. <laughs> but like... This it was just like no, she li- she really likes you, and you have to figure out how to deal with that, and that's like, man, and how to accept that love, right? That. I needed to read that maybe mm-hmm. ten years ago. Maybe I wouldn't have heard it if I had read. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten it. But it's okay for people to find you attractive and to be loved. And man, what a good message to have in like any kind of comic. Yeah, because yeah, he, did, he, he didn't need a <laughs> he didn't need a makeover at all, right? Like the stereotypical yeah, yeah. shoujo manga is like, oh, she magically lost weight, or she took off her glasses and got contact, and she got a new haircut, and all of a sudden she's lovable. It's like, no, yeah. he is he, from beginning to end of this series, he is the same looking guy. Yeah, and yeah. He, he and he expresses himself loudly and unreservedly. You know, she's mm. so shy and cute, but he's like, I, I could relate with that, right? Because as Japanese women go, I'm loud. <laughs> I'm loud and I, I I get super excited about stuff. Like, remember the time we were at Comedia and then, like, I, I saw the little cat miniatures? And I was just you like... You did shriek. Yes! <laughs> they were all like, like, what the hell is wrong with this woman, right? But they were delighted because I was just so so full of glee. Like You were <gasps> at that table for 25 minutes. I loved it so much. <laughs> I was like, much. <laughs> I'm going to go play Pokemon over here for a second. <laughs> I caught a lot of Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's, but yeah, but like, yeah, the idea that someone might actually like you is a hard thing if you've got low self-esteem or if you, mm-hmm. you know, you grew up not being conventionally pretty. And for a shoujo manga to take the tack that like, oh, you know, you're good. You're good, actually. Someone's going to, you're going to be okay. That's man. I, I want more stories like that, especially for young people. It must be it must be really hard for a manga creator to do what they did here, make that decision to like tie the bow on it really quickly. Yeah, and then kind of see where else they can go with it. Because like so much of of this job is like, how many volumes can you get out of it? If this becomes a hit, how long can you take this? Yeah, like and, yeah, and you I, know, in, in contrast <laughs> to like you know, like uh, working for Marvel or something, where the characters are perpetually at a certain age, so like you cannot actually advance them too much, or else the, the illusion of it all falls apart. Yeah, yeah. Well, this the series ends with the characters graduating high school, and just as it begins with them graduating middle school and going into high school together. Yeah, I won't I won't give away too much because that's outside of the purview of this episode. But yeah, they're the still holding hands. No comment. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna All spoil right. it. I'll spoil All it for right. you during the break when when the sassy music plays. All right. The holding hands joke killed me. By the way. Oh my yeah, god! Yes. <laughs> it's been several years, but I've definitely been on a date where someone was like, "Can you please hold my hand like a girl?" And I was like, "Ah, I am screwing this up so bad right now." <laughs> <laughs> and then you used your giant paw to like. <laughs> Encapsulate her hand, like <laughs> exactly, and then have to shift your bodies around so that it looked like you were you're holding hands <laughs> in a natural way. Yeah, very awkwardly. Yeah. Oh, but I no, love like that. Christopher was saying, like I think Takeo is very relatable. I think he has a lot of like insecurities or whatever that are pretty easy to identify with, and like mm. the constant, relentless, like no, it's okay that people like you, and his like exuberant reaction to it every time. Like there's a chapter where he runs into his friend's house and he's like, tell me how to use emoji. And it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that chapter. It's so good. <laughs> I made the same joke on Twitter. So apologies to all the manga explaining diehards who follow everyone. But Dave Batista was talking about how he wants to do rom-coms. Like he doesn't feel like he's a rom-com guy. And yeah. I was like, he would be perfect as Takeo in my love story. Like mm. charm. Oh, it would be horrible casting, you know, but mm-hmm. the vibe of that character is perfect for him like he has he's a big nice guy you know yeah and it's rare to see that usually the big guys are silent or kind of mean or you know more of a a type 
But here he's all of that, but he's like using his his height and his imposing whatever for the good of everybody, basically. And it's he's insanely well liked. You go yeah. through and you like at school, like he has a ton of guy friends, yeah. clubs, all that kind of stuff. He's getting lots of po- he's the like the hottest guy in school's his best friend and has always got his back, even mm-hmm. before you realize that he's been like dumping girls who were shitty to him. Like, and he still can't internalize that mm. that someone might and man did that ring true like that that hit that hit yeah, like a I ton think of bricks confidence is a like there's different angles you know so some people yeah. are like amazingly confident artists and zero luck and love kind of a thing and i think this is one of those where you know he jumps in a river with all of his clothes on and it's totally yeah. fine yeah yeah <laughs> it's kind of tough <laughs> but it's real cute because then like he shows up wet to the date and he goes mm-hmm. and they say oh well yeah he's wet because he just jumped in a river and saved the kid and then sprinkle goes oh of course he did that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so validating and I love the catchphrase, like every now and then and in, in, throughout the series, he just goes, I love her! <laughs> <laughs> Man. It just cracks me up. Like, I guess what I also loved in this first chapter, in this first volume, was all the commentary from both the writer, Kazuni Kawaha, and mm. Aruko. And you can see their glee writing and drawing something that's so different. Yeah. Then the usual shoujo manga, and they were talking like, oh, and then the editors at the shoujo manga manga were just laughing at the character drawings, you know? And you can feel that joy and glee and just, they're, like, they're having fun. Like, they're not yeah, just, it's, it's, you know? It's clearly a good working relationship. Like, they're they're into this. Yeah. 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 I was like, well, what was the series that we were reading where, like, the artist, like, fired the writer or something? Ajin. Oh, Ajin. 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 Yeah, Ajin. yeah. <laughs> Demi Human, yeah. Yeah, this isn't that. <laughs> It'd be amazing if it was. There's that part on page 107 when she's, like, talking, Aruka's talking, like, drawing, when I draw macho men making faces, I'm, I find I'm making the same face myself when I'm drawing. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> I want to see all of her reference. Right? But all the, of her, like... Yeah. Self yeah. camera selfies where she's yeah, just, yeah. yeah it was <laughs> so good. <laughs> the opening letter from the writer where she starts out with a thank you to the artist, I thought was really sweet. And I think yeah. this is partly like me being like a Western comics kid first. Like a lot of times artists get the short end of the stick in comics. Mm. And for this one to just be like, look, I love this artist, I love what she does. Here's all these ways that she amazed me before we even started the series. Mm. Yeah. It's a really cool vibe. I was just reading Road to Perdition by Max Allen Collins and Richard something. He's got a longer name than I, I forgot. Oh, you forgot the artist's name? I did. See, case in Wow. Point. Wow. <laughs> Ryan gets around a lot. <laughs> yeah, <this is> not... <laughs> Maybe I can fix it in post. Yeah. But in the forward to the second volume, uh, Collins is like, yeah, I really wanted to work with Steve Lieber and a couple of other artists, like Joseph Rubenstein. Like, they really brought a lot to the series. And he says that the artist kept him on track for the story he wanted to tell. Like, it's not just like, here's my story pouring out of my brain. It's like a back and forth, two people yeah. responding to each other. And they seem so excited to work together that it, I think it adds to the charm of the book for sure. Yeah. Richard yeah. Pierce Rayner, by the way. Richard there Pierce Rayner. Yeah, yeah. I could have just told you that off the top of my head, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Fair enough. <laughs> it's like, Kazune Kawahara is a manga artist in her own right. She drew High School Debut, which is another personal favorite shoujo manga of mine. Cool. And tremendously popular series. Yeah, it's really great. Does it look like this at all? No, the art is, when you see that art, when she's writing that letter, like, I'm so grateful to be working with Aruko. Like, that's mm-hmm. her drawing of Goda. Oh, okay. Mm. That's her rendition of what these characters would look like if she drew them. And you can kind of see that she doesn't have a good take on Goda that would capture the humor. Yeah. 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 And I think she knows that. But like her... <laughs> Other series, High School Debut, is one of my personal favorites because it's about this super tomboy girl um, who decides that she's going to go to high school and she's going to get a boyfriend and it's going to be awesome. But she's such a klutz as far as like fashion. But she's she's plowing it out of pure determination. Like she thinks, it's like sports, okay? I'm going to put all my effort into being the best high school girl who's going to get a boyfriend. And then she just fails over and over again. <laughs> and then she meets this <laughs> super hot guy who's like saying, I'll teach you how to do this. <laughs> nice. It's a super funny and lovable book. But when I saw that first drawing, I thought, yeah, I think this was a good decision to have Aruko draw this. Yes. Yeah. But it, it also, it makes a lot of sense that the, the writer is also an artist. Yeah. Because the pages are, uh, 
they're not overwritten. You can tell, mm. like they're, they're they're definitely leaving a lot of room for the artists to like try things and have fun. Like I'm I'm looking at the page where Yamato walks away from Suno and his sister, and then like dashes away, bows, dashes, trip, gets up, <laughs> dashes away. <laughs> and that's a, that's a nine panel page. Like that's a that's a dense page, and and I think you can you can see that they probably like kind of figured that out together, or or the writer just like. Okay, and then there's a, there's a a beat of her falling over, and and just go for it. How pace it how you want to, because it's a very, mm. it's a really fun little visual gag on there. Yeah, yeah, it feels it's such a good combination. I would love and to see. She stands up so straight, like after she falls down. <laughs> yeah, that's that makes it even funnier, you know. Yeah, it's really <laughs> funny cartooning. I was gonna say one of my other favorite parts of this was. I don't know if they're texts. I think they're emails because there's always the re dot dot, but the emails between Yamato and and, and Gota, where hers are like good night, hard hard hard. Takeo, I wonder if you're looking at the moon and the stars. I still haven't seen a shooting star. Shooting star emoji. I'd like to watch a meteor shower with you someday. Star hearts. <laughs> re, I'd like that too. Good night. Like it's just. So- <laughs> <laughs> I live in fear of being that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but you know, like the contrast between his internal monologue about how she's everything to me, I love her, and then like, yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so relatable. Really funny. Yeah, yeah. That precipitates the how do I do emoji chapter that David talked about. Yeah, because yeah. he's just like he looks at the two messages and he's like, oh, I've made a huge series of mistakes. <laughs> yeah, please, yeah. Please teach me how to use emojis. <laughs> it's really good. Oh, and it's this kind of idea. Of two people in love that get together. The first time I encountered it in manga was a manga. I can't remember the artist's name, but it was it was called Love Roma. Mm. Delray published it back in the day. It's a five volume series where the characters get together in the first chapter because they're finally like, "Yeah, I actually like spending time with you too." Okay, let's do it. And they're in middle school, and all their friends are like, "Hooray!" And then they're just like, "What do we do now?" <laughs> because they're both like very like I don't know that they're actually autistic, but like. That's kind of how both characters are written. So the whole book is actually their huge, ever-expanding friend circles trying to tell them how to date one another. Wow. And it's really <laughs> funny. Like oh. It's really, really yeah. good. The art looks a little bit a little bit like Brian O'Malley's art, actually, mm. too. It's a wild book. And it's totally, totally out of print. Sorry, actually, to anyone who's listening. A knife in the back at the end. Yeah, knife in the and it's Delray too. It didn't even get brought over to Kodansha. The butcher it is strikes unavailable. <laughs> I will say, bringing up manga manga in the Rose of Versailles episode, I actually did look that up. You get manga manga manga. So that's today's early shout out. Manga manga by Frederick Schott. It's nice. technically out of print, but go buy it before all the prices go up on Amazon. <laughs> get the manga splaining bump. Oh God! <laughs> Yikes! So let's get some closing thoughts. Let's start with Chip. I liked it. Next. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I'll go next. I actually, so I've been thinking about Slam Dunk a lot over the past month, ever since I saw the movie. Mm. And something I liked about this is that, and relating to Slam Dunk, in Slam Dunk, the main character, Hanamichi Sakuragi, opens the series by getting rejected by his 50th woman. Like he's yeah. in high school. And like, you know, it crushes him, but then he gets back on the horse. And this is almost the same kind of like character arc of like learning that you can be loved, learning that you're good at things that like, you have a life beyond what people have kind of boxed you into that Takeo had in my love story. Mm. So it's really depth writing. Like it's pulling from so many different influences. It's like remixing so many different things that there's a lot to enjoy here, even beyond just the like really good comedy mm. and really good cartooning too. Now I feel like I should have said more than I like it. <laughs> Would you like to add? <laughs> no, no, that's it. No, okay. David, 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 David spoke for me. Yeah, we, we talked about it before the podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris, how about you? So the, the gay stuff, I want to just touch oh, on yeah. that real quick. Mm. So it's kind of played like uh, Sunawada, who's like the hot friend who keeps turning down girls. And we find out that he turns down girls because they're usually mean to Takeo, but keeps turning down girls and wants to like help Takeo out, but doesn't always want to like, and you're like, is he is he leaving these guys alone because he doesn't want to see his friend in love that he's secretly in love with, or does he just want to give them their space to like find each other? There's like a there's like a, a thing going on there that's actually really interesting. And what I like about the series is that it's not queer baity, which basically mm-hmm. means that like 
oh, is it going to be a BL thing? Are you going to want to read this? Because you're so desperate as a queer person for any kind of representation whatsoever, no matter how bad it is. And in the second volume, right at the right in the beginning, they just cut that shit off at the knees. And they're like, all right, Takeo has to buy Rinko a present for her birthday. He does, so he has to get a job. He's 6'6 and 265 pounds. He goes to work at a muscle cafe where it's like he's a waiter serving people that want to come to the kind of like in a, the opposite of a maid cafe, but not quite a butler cafe. Yeah. And it's, they have uh, ladies muscle cafes now, by the way. It's like a, a rising trend. Oh, ladies are, muscle cafe. There yeah. are gay men's muscle cafes as well. And if you look at the panel where it introduces him in his like frilly little apron that he's wearing in the, in the muscle cafe, the two customers come in that come in and go, Oh, he's just my type are both men. And the other guy sitting there at the bar is a man. I actually just watched the whole thing on muscle cafes and how a lot of straight dudes who like to work out at the gym work there because the tips are awesome. Yeah, I'll imagine. put a sh- link to the show notes. Tokyo Bottom on YouTube. Shout out. But so he go- he's 16 and he goes to work at like a predominantly homosexual theme cafe uh, because he's a big muscly dude. And it's not played for laughs. It's not played to put down the gays. It's not played like a lot of other stuff. It could be played. It's just like, yeah, there are gay people in the world, and Takeo's cool working there. The end. Like, that's how far it goes there. And it really diffuses a lot of the potential not good possible anti-queer feeling stuff that could arise from a situation like that where you've got these two best friends. It's just like, nah, gay people are existing, that's cool, but that's not what this guy's doing at this point in time. That's great. It actually also, and that was something that I was really... I don't think I knew about those kind of cafes in Japan. I didn't really get what that joke was in the second volume the first time through. It was just like, oh, he's working in a muscly space, whatever. But now that I know that those things kind of things exist and I've watched this like little mini doc about it, I'm like, oh, that was actually really smart of the creators to put that in there and like be cool to gay people because <laughs> they didn't have to because Lord yeah. knows, not, not like the editors were telling them to, to, to sort it out. It never happens. The other, th- and, and on the never happens front, and this is like, Maybe more show notes material than main podcast material, but whatever. We're 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 making good time today. There's a gay Studio Ghibli movie, and mm-hmm. this it's called Ocean Waves, and it was the one that was the direct to TV movie. Wow. Studio Ghibli was like their first movie that wasn't going to have any of the founders as directors. They gave it to like the young people that were there in their 20s and oh. 30s, and they're like, okay, go make a movie. And they made a movie that was about two guys in high school where one boy is completely devoted to the other boy. And the other the other boy sort of makes a move like this girl, like, you know, they have a thing where it's like it looks like he's going that way. And then the other boy gets super jealous and they have a physical fight. They don't end up talking until high school reunion 10 years later. And like one of the last things in the movie is the, the, the line is I was jealous. And then it like he's like, what were you jealous of? And the, and then you don't see his mouth moving. It's shot from behind. It's like. I was jealous because I was in love with Rinko, like like the girl the whole time, and you went after her and got her, and so I was jealous. Turns out that was not what the line was supposed to be, mm. and Studio Ghibli didn't want to make a gay ass movie in the nineties. <laughs> oh. And I, so I heard about this apocryphal, apocryphally, mm. sure from from some gays, some some manga gays, maybe ten years ago, and I was like, huh, I'd never seen Ocean Waves. I tracked it down, I watched it. It's really boring, boring, maybe not a great Ghibli movie. But yeah, they did a, a feature. Uh, a couple of people did features on it on uh, YouTube Doc, and then Vice had a thing on it a couple of years ago. And I don't think anyone can officially say Ghibli had it changed at the last minute. But yeah, there's always been like potentially queer media that just sort of gets you know buzzed out at the last second. And it really felt the first time I read this that, that was what this was going to be. And on rereading it and seeing how much like care they actually put into these characters and these relationships it made me feel really good about this book, like above and beyond how good I feel about this, like funny, like well-drawn neat little manga. And that was really nice uh, because that's not always a given. So yeah, if you're, if that's something you're worried about, you're worried about the, will they, won't they, you know, kind of a thing. You're worried about the potential gay stuff. I think you don't need to, I think you could just enjoy this as like a really nice book. Although yeah, there are definitely people out there that still really wanted Suna and Takeo to get together at the end instead, or maybe in addition to, Non uh, ethical, non monogamy for everybody. <laughs> that's that's true about all manga, right? I mean, everyone has a couple they prefer. Yeah, everyone slashes somebody, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody loves somebody sometime. <laughs> I, I I've blanked out for the last five minutes. I've been thinking about ladies' muscle cafes. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm fascinated by the idea because it's like Hooters if they could murder you. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of literally. Which is all you've actually. ever wanted, right? Which yeah. is all I've ever wanted. But you know, <laughs> but you know Hooters, they do want to murder you in their head. Well, yeah, yeah no. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just don't look like it. <laughs> oh, my God. I've never been. I never will. Yeah. What? You just gonna? Sorry, I. The wings are great, and I just tell the first the first time I can possibly drop into conversation that I am super gay. I do because I don't want to be you people at that (laughs) restaurant. That's all. That's a huge problem. But then they're like, "Oh, thank God. Okay, we're good. You're just here for the wings and the kitsch." (laughs) I can't do. I can't do. I can't do Hooters, and I cannot do strip clubs. Oh yeah. But I, but I can do strip clubs when I'm with a group of ladies. Like, I, I was in charge of a, a bachelorette evening. You were in charge of a bachelor party where there was... I was in charge of a bachelor party, yeah, for, for you. <laughs> that was a great night. I have no problem going to the gay strip clubs. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget the guy who came out in the leather trench coat in the full Neo get-up and used yeah. the stripper pole... <laughs> Like Neo did in like Matrix, where he puts a pull around, and he swings around and kicks all the Agent Smiths, except his <laughs> dicks flying. It's just a, it was one of the most that is a beautiful things. This was such a family friendly episode until I was. Well, I know I was such a wholesome manga, and here I am talking about Neo Dick. <laughs> Cut yeah, it off yeah. after me. Cut it off after me. <laughs> this will be the Patreon exclusive version. <laughs> Longest planning after dark, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I could go on about that, but um, I won't. <laughs> Clearly, I need to not. <laughs> Deb, what were your final thoughts? Yeah, yeah, Deb, what were your final thoughts? Neo stripper dick or anything else? Because that's all I can think about now. I'll save my Hooters story for the show notes. Let's just put it <laughs> okay, that way. Perfect, perfect. Sorry, I got I to gotta have one more thing about that night. Please. Yeah, yeah, the, please, please. Yeah. Because the whole time... Because I arranged this, it was for Chris and Andrew for their bachelor party, and the whole time watching uh, Neo and and all the strippers, I had a hot cop costume underneath my clothes, because the whole plan was I was going to take my clothes off, go up, and be the hot cop on stage. <laughs> and the uh, the staff would not let me do it. <laughs> so I had to wait till we went to karaoke later <laughs> to, to, to strip down to my hot cop outfit. Which I have, I still have a photo of, of me... And Andrew, me and the hot cop outfit, we can put that Amazing. in the show notes. Please do. It was everything I've ever wanted from a bachelor party. It was perfect. <laughs> I had no idea that you were such a good bachelor party host. I, I'm oh so my impressed God. now. I, 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 I rise to the occasion, so to speak. Indeed. Like, yeah. Indeed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. well. Anyways, this has been my love story. (laughs) Oh my god. Super good. (laughs) Deb, what's your final thought? Deb, you gotta have some final thoughts. Go, 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 quick. Okay, I will say that I was reading my love story again this morning before the show. I was with my travel companions. We're here in Japan. And she just looked at me like, you're just laughing all the time. And or you're making this huge smile, and I, I'm dying to know what you're reading. <laughs> and I, it's so I kind of says like I the fact that I could read this again and find so much joy in it, and re- realize yeah. that the that the creators also felt a lot of joy creating it, makes it, you know, like oh yeah, you know I don't I don't you know people always ask me for a manga to recommend for kids under twelve, right? And they're so there's they're few and far between. And this one really deserves to be on the list. It is fantastic. Mm. But it's also fun yeah. for adults because it's just so well-crafted and funny and heartwarming, but not heartwarming in a schmaltzy way. It's, yeah. it's just kind of got the whole package. I don't know if anyone would read all the way through all 13 volumes, but just reading volume one was just an endorphin rush. It was just like, oh, this is making me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was my love story. We will be back with our rest of our stories and perhaps recommending some new stories to read after the break. Stay tuned. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And we are back. And it is that magical, magical time when we are going to inflict three more books on Chip. Uh, let's see what kind of strange and wonderful things we are going to throw in front of him next. I will, 
I'm going to throw it out there and just say, who wants to go first? Mm, pressure. Well, since I made everyone pick books this week, we're doing it a little early to catch up because we like to give people some advance notice so they can check books out of the library and whatnot, if that's their deal. And something dropped on the internet this week that has made a lot of manga fans very happy. And it is the trailer for the Netflix adaptation of Pluto by Naoki Urasawa and Tezuka's son. And Pluto is a manga that we've been bullied about not recommending until now, actually. Like, we should be reading. Why haven't you made him read Pluto yet? And honestly, my answer was always, it's an eight-volume series, and it's like a really, really good eight-volume series with a beginning, middle, and end. And that's kind of a rare thing in manga. It doesn't feel like it went on too long. If anything, felt like it could have used even one more volume. But yeah, and I was always like, I don't know how to recommend it, because I'm always kind of notorious for uh, recommending five books that's actually one one book or vice versa, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, and it's a strong first volume, but boy, does it just build and builds and builds as it goes. But we were having a conversation uh, just before the podcast started about how, and we mentioned it on the Rose of Versailles episode, that we couldn't just jump into Rose of Versailles, even though we wanted to do it in the first season, because it it takes, uh, if it's your first manga, it's a weird one. It's like from the 70s, things are different now, sort of a thing. But now that I think we've read so many manga, I think maybe Chip would be willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, even though that it, like normally I'd be like, let's read the first two volumes. But I actually think that first volume on its own is is a really good beginning to a procedural. It's a kind of a proceed. So Pluto is a police procedural in a world where there are I- functionally identical androids to humans. You can't tell who's who. It's a little bit Blade Runner in that way. But then there are actual robots as well that look like robots and choose to look like robots. And it's actually a sort of contemporary updated, let's say even Watchmen-esque updating of an Astro Boy story from the 1960s. It's called The World's Strongest Robot or Greatest Robot in the World, however they're going to choose to subtitle it. But it's, and this isn't a knock on Watchmen, it's really good. And it's not about making a children's character grim and gritty. It's about getting to the core of what Astro Boy was about, which was what makes somebody human. Mm Mm-hmm. Astro Boy has all the, the memories of his creator's dead son, and he loves and he feels, and he's rejected by his father, who realizes he'll always be this imperfect metal clone. And it's about what makes someone human. And it's such a good, deep idea that is so really thoroughly explored in the Pluto manga that I can't help but recommend it, especially now that Netflix released a four minute preview of it, and it looks good. Mm. It looks so good. I think people are really going to like it. Like, I hope it's as good as it looks from this, like from this preview, but yeah, I wanted to do this for a long time since volume, since series one, I think we're at a good point in the podcast where we could recommend it and give it a shot. So yeah, Pluto volume one, but if you like it or you're like on the fence, try out Pluto volume two as well. And that is my recommendation for you. Oh, there's Uh, no digital either. So, uh, sorry. What? (laughs) Oh my God. You know, I live on a remote Island. (laughs) Aren't you going on a cross country Canada tour to comic book shops? One of them yeah, might in, have a copy. In May. <laughs> oh, well, then you're going to have to do something Small about that. Small hiatus oh, waiting. Sorry, folks. Chris, what, a, what, an, what an amazing way to just drop right to last place. <sighs> I'll send a copy to your remote mountain home. Yeah. I'll have it sent. I'll basically throw in there that I think we need to read the original story as well. Yeah, mm. it's only a couple. It's only like 100 pages or something. Yeah, right? like it's a even. short story. All right. It, yeah. I think you. So we have to, I don't sorry. know. We're reading the original Astro Boy story mm-hmm. and Pluto Volume One. Yep. Oh my god! You it's guys. still only like two hundred and seventy pages. It's fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it. And the Astro Boy story is available digitally. That's something. Mm-hmm. Oh, a beautiful crumb for me. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Well, I did. I did see the Pluto trailer thing today, and I yeah. noped out uh, thirty seconds in. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, this is well. I'm you don't excited. like anime, so I'm no, not going to take no. that as a challenge. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. say you're going to like the manga a lot. But I mean, it just means that I'm I'm thoroughly coming in blind now. I mm. don't even manage to get through that preview. Hmm. Well, like our me. Chainsaw Man pick, this pick isn't really for you. It's for the internet. <laughs> oh, good, great. <laughs> just like just like Pun Pun, very motivational, that Chris. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> is there a position <laughs> below last place? I don't really know. How to... <laughs> I think you'll enjoy it because I think the the storytelling decisions of adapting the original to the new one is so fascinating to me. As someone who writes Batman, you might appreciate it. Uh, Yeah. 
great, great sales job. All right, who's next? David? I'll definitely follow that one. <laughs> uh, so my pick is out of the ordinary for me. I said I was doing violence manga this season, but there's lots of different kinds of violence. And in this one, a high school girl stays up too late playing video games on the very first page of this book. And by the end of the first page, she dies in a traffic accident. Hmm. Then it flashes forward to a young girl in a kind of fantasy feudal, like kind of Rosa Versailles sort of setting who hits her head and realizes, holy crap, I'm the 17 year old girl who died on this page one. And as she gets (laughs) older, like she really remembers like her past life, let's say. Yeah. And as she gets older, she starts to realize that the life she's living now is actually the game she stayed up too late playing on the night that she died. And not only that, but she is the villain of the game that she was playing. So she's studying, she's figuring out everything that's going on. She's like, oh, the villain dies at the end. I don't like that at all. So it's her trying to beat her fate after being reincarnated into a world that seems very, very familiar. This is My Next Life as a Villainous, All Roots Lead to Doom. Story by Satoru Yamaguchi, art by Nami Hidaka. And it is our first entry in the isekai genre that we've talked about a lot, where normally some loser gets killed and reincarnated into a world where they're like a super hot guy with a lot of like a harem of babes around him. But this one's a little different. It's based around dating sims instead of like base wish fulfillment. And it's more of a shoujo thing. It's more aimed towards women than men, I would say. Yeah, so there's yeah. less of like the gross like wish fulfillment type stuff. Yeah. Super funny, great gimmick. I think it'll be a solid entry into Christopher's favorite genre of manga. I can't believe you have polluted the podcast with Isakai, and I will never recover from this. I called this when, <laughs> we, uh, when I recommended Bleach. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, you made this happen. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I, I, you know what? I haven't given it a fair shake. It was kind of like when I uh, shit all over boys love manga novels. It was roundly chastised for it, and then secretly admitted, "Yeah, most of them aren't good." But don't, yeah, <laughs> like, like novels. but yeah, no, let's do it. I'm on board. All right, but wait, is Chip? I guess we'll, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, I'm here to be the umeboshi little palate cleanser, so to speak. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. So my my pick is a genre I think you've enjoyed before, which is romantic comedy for grown-ups. All right, yeah, like Tokyo Tarareba girls. This one's called The Untouchable Midori-kun. It's about a woman. She is a 20-something porn star. She lives in a nice apartment building. She meets her new neighbor. Her new neighbor is a hot guy. Now, the thing is, this hot guy is her childhood friend, who she is reunited with again. But now, instead of the chubby little boy that she used to know, he is a member of a hot pop idol group. <laughs> so there's this meet cute, right? Like they're now neighbors. They're reunited. They're he's and she's like, oh my god, he's hot now. What's up with that? So then he says, Ah, yes, I remember you. Yes, I had a crush on you. But don't come near me. Don't touch me. Why? Because I'm an idol. And idols cannot be touched by women because I don't want to ruin the fantasy of all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a really cute and hilarious rom-com because he's trying to keep her at arm's length. And she's like, I got to figure out how, how to lay yep. this guy. <laughs> and then, and it's really funny too, because like, she's a porn star, but she's not like, she's not like a Pamela Anderson porn star. She's basically like a working woman porn star. Like she goes to work, <laughs> does a sexy thing. And she goes, good work guys. And she's finished work. Clocks in, clocks out. Goes to work, clocks in, cocks in. Cocks out, clocks out. Yeah. So I found it super cocks hilarious. In, cocks out. Because it's, it's very sex positive and funny and so yeah. matter of fact. But also, too, because Midori-kun, as an idol, says things that are very idle and very dashing. And when he does, sparkly roses pop up in back of him. <laughs> <laughs> and then sparkle, 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 sparkle. So then it's like, and she's like, what the hell is this? Like, she's just yeah. weirded out by the sparkles and the roses that come out anytime he says something manly and princely. Now, the funny thing mm. is that... The roses are characters in the manga too. <laughs> Amazing. So it's so it's just a delight. I think you've read enough shoujo manga now that you've read Rose of Versailles. You know the roses are a big thing. You know the sparklies are the big thing. I just think it's a fun break. <laughs> oh, this is this is hard because like Yeah. I I love David's book. It sounds amazing. 
And it's a genre we haven't touched on yet, so extra points mm-hmm. there. But Deb just rolled out porn star rom-com. I mean, I would choose Deb, personally. <laughs> yeah. Not to, not to put my weight on the uh, on the balance. Yeah, this, this is really hard. I might I might actually have to. The, uh, yeah, I think the order is Deb. Well, it's hard to determine which one's two and three. Oh, David <laughs> and then Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's the order. I like yeah. it. Untouchable, then Villainous, then Pluto. With Astro Boy. Pluto's pretty good. With Astro Boy, yeah. The last book made me cry. Yeah. Real Tears from a Manga. Yeah. Pluto, Pluto 8. Oh, Pluto is a masterpiece. Me. You'll want to read like it all. Twice reading yeah. that. There's two good scenes, but we're only reading book one, so don't worry. No waterworks yet. I'm going to throw it out there that we're nearing the end of Akira. Mm. Pluto might be our next season cool. starter and ender. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Rissar is a genius, and I think it, it, we really, on the level of Otomo, like, and, and mm-hmm. respected as much by um, Western comics readers. So I think it might be a nice one to take on. And it is yeah. his shortest series, I think. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like 20th Century Boys is like 11 two-in-one volumes plus an epilogue. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah eight cool. volumes. It's a, it's a win. I wish they had done the reprint. on it. I was actually thinking about, what if we recommended a book at the end of the season? That would be the first book for the next season because, yeah, manga manga is in print. If we ever recommend it, which is not technically a manga, even though it's got four chapters of manga in it, I think it would be just such an amazing foundational work for Chip to read, like about the history of manga. But it's a book, like it's an actual book. We'd have to give him like months to work on it because he's so busy. You're amazing. <laughs> after, after, after hitting me with Pluto and. Astro Boy, and, and if Boy. I and if I want to, I can go on with Volume Two of Pluto if I feel like it. Now you're Have just you like, we're going to give you a full page novel. Book. Yeah. yeah, I just couldn't do that to Chip. I'm sorry, it's too much of a book. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. a book. It's it's yeah. a book and a half. Yeah, I would yeah. read it. I would read it because obviously, you know, the I I adhere to the rules of manga explaining. <laughs> you just somehow pick it last. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Anyone got any shoutouts this week? I shouted out Tokyo Bottom, which is a channel about gay life in Japan, which is pretty fun. Much my recommendation. And I'll specifically shout out the uh, Muscle Cafe anniversary episode that was super fun to watch. It'll be in the show notes. Anybody else? David, how about you? It might have been season one or two. We mentioned Katsuya Tarada's Rakuga King. And I, yep. said that I, I shouted it out because I thought I saw a reprint of it in a Portland bookstore. It was actually a different book, as a kind listener pointed out to me on Twitter called Sketch by Katsuya Tarada, which I oh. also bought. It's another 500-page sketchbook. It's really awesome. So by Rakuga King, by Sketch, they're two different books and well worth your time. He's huh. a ferocious artist, and it's just, I don't know. If you like looking at drawings, you'll get a lot out of it. Agreed. Mm. Nice. Chip, shout out for you. No, I've consumed nothing except Ambulance, like the Michael Bay movie on David's oh, recommendation, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I quite liked it. <laughs> I quite liked Over it. The shout-out pays off. It's, it's amazing. Like Michael Bay has been making movies long enough that it finally has paid off because now there are drones and he can just fling his cameras around <laughs> everywhere now. It's, it's awesome. And Jake Gyllenhaal is fun, as always. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's a good one. Deb, what's your shout-out? Uh, let's see. What is my shout-out? Let me give that a little thought. My shout-out is Oshinoko. <laughs> Oh, um, no, really? Aka Akasuka and Mango Yokoyari. It's from Yen Press. And it it blew me away because it was not at all what I thought it was going to (laughs) be. It looks like an idol manga on the cover. And it's Mm -hmm. about a a pop idol. And she's part of a group. And she's got stars in her eyes. She's really cute and pretty. But she's a little cynical about being an idol. She gets pregnant. We don't know how. We don't know why. But she gets pregnant. She goes off to the countryside. She gives birth to twins, and things go off the rails from there <laughs> in a way that I just did not expect. It's been on all the, like, Konomanga Gasugoi list, best manga of the year. List, and I thought to myself, what's going on here, right? Why mm-hmm. is this? This is a jump title. Like, wait, what's going on here? What, what makes everyone pay, stand up and pay attention to this book? And I finally read the first volume from Yen Press, and now I get it. It is something else. Addicting. For sure. It's up to 10 volumes now in Japan. I don't want to spoil too much because I think it is, it's a genre-busting read. 
that'll blow your mind. It's fun. Sounds pretty cool. It's going to be one of the ones that Chip's like, what did you make me read? It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. All right. He's going to hate me for it. Oh, perfect. That's okay. I'm ready for that. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Manga Spin. I thought this was a really fun discussion of my love story. And we've got lots more to come in season four. Four, 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 four. <laughs> so stay tuned. Thanks a lot. This has been Manga Splaining Episode 92, My Love Story by Kazune Kawahara and Aruko. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing Bleach, Volume 1, and Volume 55 by Taito Kubo from Shonen Jump and Viz Media. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book, shop, and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com and check out our newsletter and digital publishing endeavor at mangasplainingextra.com. Thanks to DIDS for their musical accompaniment for this episode.